Welcome to Poets and Writers. We really have an interesting show for you today. We're going to do children's poetry and children's stories, and I have three uh, young people on at the beginning of the show, and they're talking and reading a little bit of poetry or talking about their poetry, and the first is story Corrine Norfleet, and she'll be talking, telling a jack tale, and then uh, we will have a couple other uh, fellows on talking about um, haiku and also Robert Frost. So welcome to Poets and Writers today, coming to you you know, again from the beautiful Emory and Henry College campus, and I'm in the studio. I want to thank Richard Graves for putting this uh, particular show together because I recorded parts of it over in Asheville, North Carolina. So uh, Richard Graves, we're going to talk with you. Many of you folks out there have your own poets, and Shel Silverstein comes up a good bit. So Richard Graves, our excellent producer, has uh, liked Shel Silverstein. So Richard, what do you like about Shel Silverstein? I like Shel Silverstein a lot because I was introduced to him at a very young age, and the way he writes is very digestible for for people that um, you know of any age. So it's kind of very universal. Um, I think his po- poetry is very simple. Uh, it's very understated, but you there's a lot of bigger themes he deals with too. So I like how it's so cross generational. Where like the children we'll hear from on the show today, they can appreciate it. And, um, you know, I can still read Shel Silverstein, A Light light in the Attic and Falling Up and Where the Sidewalk Ends, poetry, books like that, even at my age now and still appreciate it and almost even appreciate it more because I am nostalgic for, you know, the times that I first read them when I was in elementary school. Outstanding. Well, let's hear from our three young poets today and uh, their ideas, and then we'll come back and we'll read some Shel Silverstein. We want to have story Corrine Norfleet. She's going to tell a little bit of a jack tale for us, and then we're going to move on into the show. So we're really uh, happy to have us uh, have her with us. So the first thing we'd like to ask is, Story, where are you from? I'm from Cary, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And where do you live now? Asheville. All right. And what are you going to do for us today? I will tell you the tale of Jack and how he gets a job. All right. Go for it. Okay, so as we know, Jack is super lazy. So, he would chisel wood and make his mama clean it up. He wouldn't chisel anything useful. He would dip his toe in by the lake. He wouldn't even catch something for dinner. But now his mom was so fed up, he just she just yelled, Jack, get out of the house and find a job. And he never heard his mom speak to him like that. So he just got up and ran out of house and slammed the door shut. Now, there is a farmer up the road, and he just so happens to have work for him. Now, he said, can I get a job here? And he said, oh, well, uh, okay. Yeah, so he plowed and he hoed, he mowed. So, he had heard how lazy, lazy Jack was. He was so impressed he gave him a whole penny. Now, back then, a penny was a bunch of money. So he was like, oh, thank you. He couldn't even close his hands and keep it safe. Now, he ran home flat. But there's a rock by the river. He tripped on it, and the penny went into the river, never to be seen again. And then he sadly trotted home, told his mama about it. Now he was like, Mama, I dropped it. And he, his mama said, oh, Jack, 
put it in your pocket and ran home. Now, Jack was like, Mama, I don't know why I didn't think of that. I will use your kind words and next time do that. Now, Jack slept good last night and he just so happened to do all the work there. Now, the farmer's wife was working to make the cheese and milk. I mean, butter to um feed the family. So, he was like, can I get a job here? And she said yes. He just turned the butter, milked the cow, and all day. So, do you know what? He got a whole jug of milk, put it in his pocket, and ran home. But he was so excited, he didn't matter, care what that meant. He just did what his mama said. So, then... He ran home, and he, when he got home, there was an empty jug of milk in his pocket. And do you know what? The milk was all over him, from his shirt all the way to the bottom of his pants. Now, Jack's mama said, oh, Jack, I don't know what to do with you. You should have put it on your head and slowly walked home. Now, Jack said, oh, Mama, I don't know why I didn't think of that. Next time, I will do that. But I don't know why I did that. So, that night, he slept good, but he, I mean, he did all that, so he couldn't do it. Now, there was a cheese factory so, so, so close, but he had to run a little mile. So, he did, and he said, can I help? He, I mean, he helped and helped, and he got a donkey. Or a mule, as you could call it, just for doing that. And the mule is pretty much a donkey. So, he was so happy and he remembered his mama's words. Put it on your neck and run home. Now, he tried to get on. He just kicked that donkey, kicked and kicked and kicked, till he finally got him. Now, there just so happened to be a little girl sick and she was super ill. He, his, her dad um, hired a bunch of doctors, and ugh, she was just taking her last breaths, and all the doctor, doctors said the same thing. She needed to laugh. He hired a bunch of clowns, a bunch of people, but she couldn't make it laugh. But it just so happened Jack was trotting right there, and then... He saw her. I mean, sorry. She saw him, and she thought that was the funniest thing. He, She laughed for so long, and then she was cured. But that donkey wasn't there for long. He just hopped off and ran away. So, that that lazy Jack, um, he was sad, walked home, and, he, and then his... He, his um mom said, next time you should use a rope and pull it home. And he said, why do I not think of that? But he won't do it next time. And then Lazy Jack lived happily, lazy after. We're very 
very pleased to have some children on this program today, children who are interested in writing and reading poems. We have with us today, we have Cooper Henry Norfleet, and he's going to, as we like to ask, where are you from, Cooper? Um, I'm from Cary, North Carolina. I'm from Winston-Salem, and right now I'm living in Asheville. All right, and who is your favorite poet? Robert Frost. And what do you like about Robert Frost? Um, I think his last name is cool, and I like his poems. Uh, so you like some of the poems of Robert Frost. Well, you know, I like Robert Frost, too, and I've read a number of program, number of his uh, poems on this show, and our producer uh, sometimes has interviewed me, and when he has interviewed me or I've interviewed him, we will talk poetry, and one of the people we talk about is Robert Frost. So Robert Frost, could you give us a few lines of Robert Frost? Um, well, one of his poems is Stopping by the Woods on a Snowy Evening, and it's Whose woods are these? I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near. The, the only other sound of downy flake and easy snow. And that's a little bit of his poem. A little bit. And what, 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 what do you like about that poem? Um... I think it has a good message. And the message is like when you're in the snow, and, and but you have promises to keep in that poem, right? Yes, and the last line is, I have promises to keep in miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. And what does that mean to you? Um, it means he would like to stop and watch the woods fill up with snow, but he has promises to keep and... And miles to go before, before he, he sleeps. sleeps. Yes. Well, thank you, Cooper Henry Norfleet, for being on Poets and Writers today. And good luck, luck to you over there in Asheville, North Carolina, and good luck with your poetry. Today, we're very pleased to have some young people on the program. And I'm here in Asheville, North Carolina, with Carter McCarthy Norfleet. And he, as we like to ask on the show, where are you from, Carter? Uh, I'm from Asheville, uh, but we moved up here recently from Cary. All right. And uh, what? talk a little bit about poetry. What kind of poetry do you like? Uh, I like haikus. And a haiku is a poem that has three lines, and each line has a different amount of syllables. So the first is five syllables, the second is seven, and the last is five as well. Yes. Well, haiku, you know, its origin, is that from Japan or... Uh, yeah, it is, yeah. And so how did you happen to get interested in haiku? Um, we had to do a class project back in fourth grade, and uh, we all had to come up with a few to describe, uh, I think, the seasons. And it's just, it's it's very easy to do, but they're very interesting as well. well could you give us a, one line or one sample? Uh, yeah, sure. So let's see. So I wonder about... Many things. So that's five syllables. And so that would be could be the first line. Yeah. And then you would go on and develop it. Mm-hmm. I wonder about many things. Mm-hmm. And then you would continue on with that. Uh-huh. Well, okay. Very good. And listen, good luck to you over there in Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, thanks for listening and being on Poets and Writers today, WEHC 90.7. So, thank you very much for listening to our young poets today. And uh, Richard and I were talking about Shel Silverstein, and I wanted to read. He is, Richard, he is so interesting. Did you know he was a Korean War veteran? Uh, he really has had a fascinating, he died in 1999. And what 
he did was he suffered a good bit. Uh, his wife died uh, when his daughter was five years old, and I think she died. One of his daughters died at 11. So what is amazing to me about Shel Silverstein is that he could write so positively and so beautifully. And here's one uh, inv- invitation, and this is for you, Richard Graves, and it's from Where the Sidewalk Ends by Shel Silverstein. If you're a dreamer, come in. If you're a dreamer, a wisher, a liar, a hoper, a prayer, a magic bean buyer, if you're a pretender, come sit by my fire, for we have some flax golden tails to spin. Come in, come in. That's by Shel Silverstein. He also has another beautiful poem. He has, as you know, you listeners out there, uh, really many of you know much more than I, I do about him, but I want to read one. And I have so many here with me here in the studio, so many of his poems and so many other poems today that uh, I have to, uh, as I always say, always have your poems ready to read. But as I say, I have so many of his here before. And I'm Richard, I'm going through here looking for another Shell Silverstein poem. Now, you remember some of his stories, right? You remember The Giving Tree? I do. Yeah. The Giving Tree was always a favorite um, story of mine. I liked how I think even at a young age, I appreciated how kind of dark it was. You know, it's very it's very sad. It's really kind of a lot of problem. I have a lot of children's stories is they're so easily digestible. Um, But this um, the story, it's very simple. You know, it's very easy to understand, but it has a lot loftier themes dealing with um, social responsibility and death and friendship and you can get a lot out of such a simple story about a boy in a tree well as i pointed out earlier that uh, he had suffered in his life and i think you can see certainly see that reflected uh, there richard now i'm going to read one uh, how many of you out there you listeners out there today when you were younger and you woke up and you just decided maybe you didn't want to go to school that day maybe there was some issues at school maybe you were bored Maybe the teacher didn't like you. Maybe you didn't like her or him. Uh, this is called, and this is another Shel Silverstein poem, and I want to thank Kara McCarthy Norfleet for sharing this with me. She uh, has three children, school age, all in school, and this is called Sick. Do you remember, Richard, did you ever call in sick or have your mother call in sick? I certainly tried. I didn't get away with it as much as I would have liked. Because <laughs> they had to write an excuse for you, right, the next day. Right. It, now working at Emory and Henry College, I don't get away with calling in sick as much as I'd like to either. Exactly. Well, here's a. this is one I love called Sick by Shel Silverstein. Sick. I cannot go to school today, said little Peggy Ann McKay. I have the measles and the mumps, a gash, a rash, and purple bumps. My mouth is wet. My throat is dry. I'm going blind in my right eye. My tonsils are as big as rocks. I've counted 16 chicken pox. And there's one more. That's 17. And don't you think my face looks green? My leg is cut. My eyes are blue. It might be instamatic flu. I cough and sneeze and gasp and choke. I'm sure that my left leg is broke. Ah, my hip hurts when I move my chin, my belly button's caving in, my back is wrenched, my ankle's sprained, my appendix pains each time it rains, my nose is cold, my toes are numb, 
I have a sliver in my thumb. My neck is stiff, my voice is weak, and I hardly whisper when I speak. My tongue is filling up my mouth, I think my hair is falling out. My elbow's bent, my spine ain't straight, my temperature is 108. My brain is shrunk, and I cannot hear. There is a hole inside my ear. I have a hangnail, and my heart is what? What's that? What's that you say? You say today is Saturday. Goodbye. I'm going out to play. Shell Silverstein, don't you love that one? Oh, yeah, that's great. Nice little plot twist there at the end. All right. Also, there's this fella, and I want to uh, mention, I asked around and I asked some children what their favorite, some of their favorite uh, poems were. And I didn't get all of this one copied down. And this is by, some of you folks may know him, by Jack Palutska. And I was not familiar with him until uh, my grandson, Cooper um, Henry, Norfleet said, well, I like my everything pizza. Have you ever heard of my everything pizza? I have not, no, but it sounds delicious. Well, I will tell you, it's got a real wrinkle at the end, and I'm simply going to summarize part of it, okay, Richard? Okay, so that's good. uh, If you have a chance to look up my everything pizza, it's a really neat poem, and most of us have ordered pizzas, and you ever ordered one you didn't get what you wanted on it? Unfortunately, yes, although I'm a big fan of all pizzas, but does slightly sting when it's not exactly how you want it. All right, here's a little bit of it. I ordered an everything pizza, which probably was a mistake, for it came with a bag full of donuts. And then it goes on to say, it came with a shovel and rake. It came, my goodness, it came with a woman named Ida. It came with a man from Peru. Uh, It came with a half jar of peanuts. It came with someone's left shoe. And he goes on and he says it came with this and a washing machine and so on and so on for several uh, several times there. And then he comes to the last part and he says it came with a college, prof- college professor. It came with a hive, hive full of bees. And then this is simply amazing. They forgot to put on any cheese. Really cute poem, and it's a favorite over there around the Rainbow School in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Richard, let me ask you a question. Do you remember uh, anything, any little, little, do you remember Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star? I do remember Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Classic. Well, you you do, and, and if you looked up at the sky and your mother would point that out to you, and she would say, wow, look at the stars. Well, you know. When I got into children's poetry here, and you know, I've been into, you know, you've listened to me on this show, and I've been to some pretty heavy poetry, you know, Bukowski and a lot of others. But, you know, this children's poetry does something to give you a gentle attitude. And I was looking through this children's poetry book, and which I had checked out of the library, and there were titles like, If I Were a One-Legged Pirate, and then Moon Song, and water noises and the baby goes to boston and the woodpecker and lo and behold i came across that old favorite twinkle twinkle little star all right this is for you richard grace all right here we go twinkle twinkle little star twinkle twinkle little star how i wonder what you are up above the world so high like a diamond in the sky when the blazing sun is gone when he nothing shines upon 
Then you show your little light, twinkle, twinkle, all the night. Then the traveler in the dark thanks you for your tiny spark. How could he see where to go if you did not twinkle so? In the dark blue sky you keep, often through my curtains peep. For you never shut your eye till the sun is in the sky. As your bright and tiny spark lights the traveler in the dark, though I know not what you are, twinkle, twinkle, little star. And you know who that's by? No, who is that by? lady by the name of Jane Taylor. Huh. And little does she know, I'm sure, and I'm sure that was written long ago, that we would be reading it here on Poets and Writers on the Emory & Henry campus, the beautiful Emory & Henry campus, WEHC 90.7. All right, moving along here. And how's the clock doing today, Richard? We are, We're um, about two-thirds of the way through the show, and I think uh, we talked about possibly getting some music on later. So. Want to get a little Peter, Paul, and Mary. Some of their songs certainly... Uh, my goodness, I'm looking at some of the things they did, and you know what a great. I met uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary at East Tennessee State and introduced them years ago in Johnson City, Tennessee. And what a what a great they were on the rise. They were really becoming popular, and I think perhaps Pat Boone was supposed to show up, and they showed up in his place, and we were like, well, you know, Pat Boone's not coming here. These folks, and then of course Peter, Paul, and Mary, and I remember they changed in that old varsity gym. There at East Tennessee State, and Mary was there in the locker room and talking to me and combing that long blonde hair. And Peter wanted to know what I was going to do in life, and I thought that was so interesting. He totally focused in on me, standing there in that old locker room. He said, "But and what are you going to do? What are you up to these days?" And you know, he's he's certainly still around, and you see him. And and oh, I love Puff the Magic Dragon. Also, that that was beautiful. So I do want to play some Peter, Paul, and Mary today. And looking at that, you know, you have uh, it's raining. You remember that song? Mm -hmm. It's raining. Yeah. It's pouring. The old man is snoring. Then they have Lemon Tree. If I had a hammer. And I love that one, Where Have All the Flowers Gone. So we'll come back to that. You be sure to watch me on the time because I'm just so wrapped up in this children's poetry day. I don't know what to do. And and my goodness, here's, uh, here's some other ones here on this show. I've got a book called Rattlebag. The Rattlebag. And you know who put this together? Look at this title, Richard. This is Seamus Haney and Ted Hughes. And it's all about children's poetry. And, uh, well, it's actually more mature poems. And as I go down through here, I see here's some of the selections they have. And, and like I say, it, it's more of a, uh, shall we say, an adult children's poetry. But I think, Richard, you know who they put in here, of course, Robert P Frost. And they have two of his poems. Uh, actually, they have Birches, Desert, Desert Places, Gathering Leaves, Range finding, stopping by the woods on a snowy evening. So birches, I want to read a little bit. They say that's on page 78. So I'm going to flip back here to 78 and read a little bit of birches. You know that poem, Richard? Birches. I don't. No, okay. I don't, I'm not familiar Birches with that one. is one of my favorites, and I've heard it read around uh, Abingdon, Virginia, a good bit uh, at the open mic. And, and it starts off, Robert Frost, when I see birches bent to left and right across the lines of straighter, darker trees, I like to think some boy's been swinging them, but swinging doesn't bend them down to stay as, I, as ice storms do. 
Often you must have seen them loaded with ice, a sunny winter morning after rain. And he goes on about this young boy who lives out, and he lives out on a farm. And he said, I should prefer to have some boy bend them as he went out and in to fetch the cows. Some boy too far from town to learn baseball, whose only play was what he found himself. Summer or winter and could play alone. So that's a little bit from Birch's. And also he had they have here on page 407, and this is one many of you have heard many times of uh, Robert Frost. Actually, we've done a whole segment, uh, Richard, on this show. You know, we are up to about 115, and I picked up an old um, recorder the other day and found some more that we had done a long time ago. Oh, wow. And Richard is so great. And, you know, these are archived. Uh, these are archived here. Uh, these are archived at actually uh, down at Chapel Hill. Stopping by the woods on a snowy evening. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near between the woods and frozen lake the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. All right, folks, this is uh, Poets and Writers Day, a little bit of children's poetry. And now we want to go. Um, Richard is uh, great at this, and we're going to mix in, give you a little bit of, you know, songs or poetry, too. So let's go with some uh Peter, Paul, and Mary, and thank you folks out there for listening. And this is Henry McCarthy of Poets and Writers saying, do not wait up for me. I'm going out to write a poem and watch the children play. So here's some Peter, Paul, and Mary. When I was just a lad of ten, my father said to me, come here and take a lesson from the lovely lemon tree. Don't put your faith in love, my boy, my father said to me. I fear you'll find that love is like the lovely lemon tree. Lemon tree, very pretty, and the lemon flower is sweet. But the fruit of the poor lemon is impossible to eat. Lemon tree, very pretty, and the lemon flower is sweet. But the fruit of the poor lemon is impossible to eat. One day beneath the lemon tree, my love and I did lie. A girl so sweet that when she smiled, the stars rose in the sky. We passed that summer lost in love beneath the lemon tree. The music of her laughter hid my father's words from me. Lemon tree, very pretty, and the lemon flower is sweet. But the fruit of the poor lemon is impossible to eat. Lemon tree, very pretty, and the lemon flower is sweet. But the fruit of the poor lemon is impossible to eat. One day she left without a word. She took away the sun. And in the dark she'd left behind, I knew 
what she had done She'd left me for another It's a common tale but true A sadder man but wiser now I sing these words to you Lemon tree very pretty And the lemon flower is sweet But the fruit and the poor lemon Is impossible to eat Lemon tree very pretty And the lemon flower is sweet But the fruit of the poor lemon Is impossible 